this uh, microphone is kind of like people sometimes. We need a kick. <laughs> it's going, eh? Anyways, good morning to all those, or afternoon, or whatever it is, those looking in on the broadcast. We're uh, going to have a look at chapter 23 of the book of Matthew, so you can turn in your Bibles there, if you would, please. And we'll uh, have a look at some things there. Let's have a word of prayer, first of all. Uh, Father, we just want to thank you again, Lord. We just ask again that you'll just bless our time here as we look into the scriptures and help us as we look at these things and to understand them and apply them to our own hearts and lives. And we just thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we're up to chapter 23. And you notice, notice that we've been here for a long time in this particular um, time frame. This has been the, the week of, I call it the week of the crucifixion, crucifixion on the Friday, and, and those uh, four days prior, five days prior, had a lot of things going on. We're not up to the cross yet. I believe we're about into what we would call the Thursday. We're about there. It's very late Wednesday or uh, Thursday. I'm not 100% not sure, but it's, it's getting there. We're going to have a look at chapter 23, and an interesting thing takes place at chapter 23. The Lord Jesus is going to be done with the Pharisees and scribes. He's not going to talk to them. This is the last address he gives them. Okay, And he addresses some of the people and uh, his own disciples as well. We'll look into that, and then we get up into chapter 24, one of the most misunderstood chapters of the, of the Scripture. Or maybe, I shouldn't, maybe shouldn't say that, maybe uh, just hard to understand sometimes. But anyway, we'll back up a little bit, and what we have is in the um, chapter 22 and 23 run together, the conversation just continues on, okay? It's not something entirely new, it's just uh, continuing on. Um, the Lord Jesus had questioned the Pharisees, and he says, What think ye of Christ? Whose son is he? He gave them that opportunity to acknowledge him, and he had been showing them and telling them, and we see from certain uh, parts in the Bible we can see that they did have an inkling and knew who he was, okay? Uh, Fer didn't, uh, um, Nicodemus, did he not say in John chapter 3, uh, we know, mm -hmm. we know who thou art, or I forget exactly what the words were, but there's portions in there. They, they had a really good understanding of but they did not want to acknowledge the Lord Jesus because what would that do? That would put them on the business, okay? They, what they would rather do is continue on with the way they were doing things and get rid of him. But of course, don't forget Acts chapter 4, verses uh, 26 to 28 in there, where it tells us of all the ones that gathered against the Lord Jesus to do God's will, to do God's plan, what God had decided to do. Going to the cross was the main thing. <clears throat> Some people say that Jesus came on that day when he entered into Jerusalem, uh, the triumphal entry, we call it, that he was presenting the kingdom to the Jews. No, he wasn't. That they, they, uh, and that they refused, and so kind of like that makes the cross plan B sort of thing, you know. That's a lot of nonsense. I'm sorry. I'm, if you believe that, I'm sorry. I just don't know what else to say. The cross of Calvary, the Lamb of God slain from before the foundation of the world in the mind of God, this is what's going to take place, and it's coming up, it's coming up. And... The Lord is going to deal with his antagonists and such. He gives them a chance, gives them a chance, and then we'll look and see what he says to them and so on and so forth. And he says to them, what think ye of Christ? Whose son is he? And their response was that he's the son of David. So all they could see was the physical individual. Yes, the Lord Jesus was in the lineage of David, 
And if the kings of uh, Israel had have kept going, after, and that the Lord had not of uh, said there won't be any more, way back in Jeconiah and Jeremiah there, uh, that Jesus would be the uh, legal heir to the throne. Okay? He was in the line. Uh, but they didn't want to talk about those things. They just wanted to acknowledge and see the, the man. Uh, uh, they had opportunity to confess Christ. And get this, this is important. They had ample opportunity to confess him and acknowledge him mm -hmm. and believe in him. But they refused it. There's a lot of people today that do that. They hear the gospel and so on and so forth, but they just don't want to do that right now. It's like we were reading in the bulletin that one of the one of the quotes was that a lot of people want to be saved from hell. I mean, you'd have to be something wrong with your head to want to go there. So everybody, most people would not want to go to hell. I remember witnessing to a guy one time, he says, I don't want to go to hell. It's more than that. It's not about getting saved. It's not getting a... a, 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 a a free ticket to heaven and so that you don't have to go to hell. Getting saved means that your sins and all those things are going to be dealt with. People want to hang on to their sins, don't they? These guys wanted to do just that. Uh, a couple of things about David who, uh, or, or the Christ, whose son is he? Yes, he was the son of David. He's also the son of God. That makes him God the son. And he's the son of man. Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. You go read that, and those portions talk about this one that will come, that will, will, will be blessed of God, and so on and so forth. You read it, it's fascinating. When you read in the New Testament, Jesus calls himself the Son of Man. He's referring to Daniel chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. He's the Messiah. He's the Christ. He's the Anointed One. This is God coming. This is Him right there. He is. He's the King of Israel. He's the King of Kings. Amen? Amen. And at the end of chapter 22, we read... And no man was able to answer him a word, neither durst any man from that day forth ask him any more questions. They're done with him. He's done with them. Okay? And he's going to the cross shortly. But he's done with them. Now the conversation continues. The conversation continues. It says in chapter 23, verse 1, Then spake Jesus to the multitude. He talked to those other characters. gave them an ample opportunity. And... Then he spake, he turns, and he's going to speak to the multitude. There's a lot of people there. They would follow him everywhere. How many is a multitude? 10, 20, 30? Probably hundreds. Yeah. Could be thousands. It's huge. Okay, and they're there. And he's speaking to them, not in the multitudes, but to his own disciples as well. He's just finished dealing with these guys, and he says to the people, all the people, the multitudes and his disciples, he says... Um, saying in verse 2 the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses seat they have that job as Moses gave uh, God gave to Moses Moses brought to the people um, all the laws for Israel and all those things and these ones were to bring things forth for the people and such it says uh, verse 3 all therefore whatsoever they bid you to observe that observe and do as you check it out, you have a look at that, you listen to what they're saying in that, check it out, it's from the scriptures, you observe and you do that. But do not ye after their works, 
Don't be like them. Their works, he's saying. Now remember, they're still standing there, all these Pharisees and those characters. He's saying to the people. He's putting them down in front of the people, okay? Don't do like these guys, for they say and do not. Okay? He says, their example to you, they're supposed to be, they sit in Moses' seat as the leader. They're supposed to be ones leading the people, but they're leading the people astray. It's like you get these phony TV preachers and such, and they preach all kinds of nonsense and garbage, eh? Mm -hmm. If they're not preaching according to what this Bible says, that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven, and then if you don't get saved, you will end up in hell. God said that. That's not my words, that's God's words. Not all TV preachers are wrong. Not all TV preachers are bad. Some of them are do good works, eh? Say, you know, I'm just trying to get myself out of trouble here in case I say it wrong. <laughs> Anyways, but um, not just that, but there's all kinds of religion out there for people, okay? Their leaders are bringing them bad examples. They're not telling them the truth because they don't know or they don't want to know. So you see that the Lord Jesus is, is putting them down in front of them. He's warning the people. And we're to warn people. You know, there's something coming. If you haven't noticed, this world is changing. There's something happening in this world that has never happened before. And it's moving. And they're building this. And they have it in place. This new world order. It's coming. You will read about it in the book of Revelation chapter 6. From there on. It's coming. There's coming a time and the wrath of God is coming. What are you going to do about the wrath of God? It's coming. The only thing you can do is trust in Jesus Christ and get saved. That's the only thing that will save you from that. And those that are saved are not appointed to wrath, will not experience the wrath of God. Could you imagine God Almighty angry at this old world and the way it's operating and what's being done? He says, okay, enough is enough. Oh, what a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Mm -hmm. Verse 3, All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, and that observe and do, but do not ye after their works. Don't do after their works, for they say and do not. There's some, uh, if you look at Christianity today, there's a lot of talk, there's a lot of tipping the hat to God and such, but all week long, people not living for the Lord and such. Verse 4, for they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne and lay them on men's shoulders. Now you got to remember the Pharisees were those characters that put the, uh, to protect the word of God, they had sort of like what we call a picket fence but they built around the word of God, which is a bunch of rules and laws and such. And they added all that in, like that, that one I use all the time is if a chicken lays an egg on Sunday, you can't eat that egg. Uh, but it goes beyond that, you know, all kinds of rules and laws, so things that God never told them to. And he, Jesus says, these are burdens, heavy burdens placed upon people and grievous to be born, to carry this grievous. They lay them on men's shoulders and they don't even lift one finger to help. Okay? You're supposed to be helping people, not placing burdens upon them. But you've got to keep in mind, these are legalists. These are ones that say that you've got to follow these rules, you've got to do this, you've got to do this, and God will be happy with you if you do these things and so on and so forth. That's not what the Bible teaches. That's not grace. In fact, you can take grace right out of the equation. In fact, you take churches that do that, 
that have rules and systems like that, there's no grace there at all. God is not in that stuff, okay? He says it so right there. They will not uh, move them with one of their fingers. They're legalistic. They're religionists. People love to have religion and laws and rules and stuff to go by. But all their works they do for to be seen of men. Now remember, this is Jesus Christ talking to them right there. It says, God Almighty, God in the flesh, God come to this, this earth. There he is. So he knows the hearts, he knows the thoughts, and he's telling the people about the hearts of these individuals. Yeah, they make a good show. They make a good show of it. But what they're doing, they stand on the street corners praying. When they're fasting, the Bible says, and they make them themselves like, oh, you know, I'm so hungry, kind of like, they're phonies. They're phonies. In fact, what we see when we go on through here in verse uh, chapter 23 is the Lord's going to rebuke them and condemn them, and there's 13 condemnations here. Eight times he calls them hypocrites, which are play actors. Loudmouth play actors is what that means. But look at verse 5. But all their works they do for to be seen of men. Now look at this. They make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments. Now I want to read you a portion of the scripture here. You can write this down and look this up and check it out later. I'm just going to get a couple of verses here to get the idea. What's he talking about? We'll get an idea of what they actually did and why the Lord's telling them off here. Back in the book of Numbers, chapter 15, there was a man, excuse me, that went out and gathered sticks upon the Sabbath day. You weren't supposed to do that, okay? God had given very strict rules. Remember what God had said to Adam and Eve, don't eat of that tree. And look at the mess that we're in today because of just disobeying that word. Okay? And God says, the Sabbath, you don't go do any work. You, can, you don't walk more than a Sabbath day's walk. All these things. You collect enough food the day before for that day. And so there's a man gathering sticks. He didn't get it. Something was wrong. And they found him. They gathered the sticks and brought them to Moses. And they uh, put him in the ward. And the, and the Lord said unto Moses, the man shall surely be put to death. Well, that's pretty harsh, eh? Well, it's pretty harsh on his account or anybody else's account that ignores the Word of God. How many millions and millions and millions of people on this earth that don't give a hoot about God or Jesus Christ or salvation or anything else? What's going to happen to them? They've been warned. People are warned. Well, let's go look at this. Back, this. back to this thing. Verse 35 of Numbers chapter 15. The Lord said unto Moses, The man shall surely be put to death, and all the congregation shall stone him with stones without the camp. So that's exactly what they did. And the Lord spake unto Moses. He says to Moses, Here's something you need to do, Moses. Tell the people. In verse 38 it says, Speak unto the children of Israel, and bid them that they make fringes in the borders of their garments throughout their generations. Fringes in the borders of their garments, through their robes and how the... the clothing they would have around the cuffs. You put this border around there and around the bottom. Look what it says right there. Uh, around the a fringe of uh, the borders, a ribbon of blue. It was like a blue ribbon you would attach. Why blue? 
Well, what's taking place there? He says, I want you to use this blue. Do you have that there? He says, when you walk, when you move, when you do things, you're going to see that. And that's going to remind you of my words. That's going to remind you of what I have told you so you won't get into trouble like that guy did. Have you ever wondered why we, uh, why we like to see a blue sky? Everything in creation points to God. It's pictures of creation and of God and such. That blue sky is that. It reminds us. God had the, the colors are there for a purpose. Green is the color of regeneration. Blue references, and we see from Scripture, references God's Word and God's presence. Did you ever notice and see you're standing up there there's a blue sky and you look down towards the horizon. The closer you get to the earth, the, the dimmer or the blue sort of fades. But hey, that'll preach. The closer you get to the earth, the things of God kind of diminish. But it's brightest right there. Anyway, so that's what he said. He told them to do that. And the Pharisees, they took this, <clears throat> okay, we're going to put these blue borders on our... But you know what we're going to do? Seeing as we're so super spiritual, he says you make large the borders. They would put... If you put a border like that around, they're going to put a great big one. I got... Because I'm super spiritual. I got the great big blue borders all over. Look at me, eh? And Jesus is telling them, you hypocrites. He says all their works they do to be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments just to be seen. Okay? And they love the uppermost rooms at feasts, the best places, the chief seats in the synagogues and greetings in the markets and to be called rabbi, rabbi. They just love that stuff. They love it. When the Lord Jesus came upon the scene and he's teaching people and people are flocking to him, they're ignoring them. And for jealousy, they deliver him up to kill him because he's interfering with their religion, with their way of life, and what they think is the way that God should be worshipped. They weren't even doing the sacrifices right. They had to add all these other things. He's really going to tell them off here, though. They love the uppermost rooms, the chief seats, and, the, and they love to be called of men, Rabbi, Rabbi. Now the word rabbi there has the idea of master, and I read it, it's in contrast um, to a slave or somebody who would be subordinate, somebody above, okay? Has, has that idea. Um, verse eight, now the Lord, he, he's telling the people about these guys, and he says, now you, to the multitudes, verse eight, but ye, it could just be, I think it's all the multitudes, not just the disciples. Maybe it's just the disciples, but I think he's talking to everybody. But ye, be not ye called rabbi. Don't you be a master over people. For one is your master, even Christ. Now remember, he asked them who they thought Christ was. Now he's telling them the Christ, he's the master over all and everybody, okay? Don't you be angling for that position. It's, I am him. I am he. And all ye are brethren. Basically he's saying, beware of ambition that exalts self. That's the old nature, isn't it? Just loves to have the last word. Just loves to be the loudest. Just loves to be 
you know, there. That word master has the idea of a leader, of a guide, okay? And call no man your father upon the earth. Hey, how come there's some religions and stuff where they call their priests and that they call, everybody has to call them father? I guess they didn't read that. Somebody needs to tell them that that's in the Bible. Don't forget to read that in Matthew 23, verse 9. Don't forget that. They must have missed it. Maybe they don't have it in their Bibles. Oh, maybe that's what's happening. Surely they wouldn't have read it and just done that anyways. Huh? And call no man your father upon the earth. For one is your father which is in heaven. Now that word father, uh, the original word that the Spirit of God gave, comes from a root word signifying one who nourishes or a protector or an upholder. Just what a father is. Just don't, don't be referring to men upon earth as that one. God in heaven is like that. He's your father. Okay. Neither, verse 10, neither be ye called masters. For one is your master, one is your leader, Christ. Can you picture it now? He's standing there, multitudes and his disciples, and there's the Pharisees and all those other characters. He's He's not got around to telling them off yet, but he's sure pointing them out to the, to the crowd as being charlatans. They're, they're not your masters. Christ is. Um, verse 11, But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. If you want to be great amongst God's people? Then you be the servant. Do stuff, whatever the servant would do. Let's read this about the Lord Jesus for a minute. Now, if you're writing things down, and you should be, I hope, uh, chapter 2 of Philippians, verses 5 to 7, it says, Let this mind be in you. He's talking to the believers, okay? Let this mind be in you. you think this way, uh, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, is the nature, is the essence of God, the very image of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, to be the same. It's a declaration of the deity. Some people say, oh, Jesus never never called himself uh, uh, God and, and never refers to him as that. Well, sure it does right there. Thought it not robbery to be equal with God. It's a de declaration of his deity. But, verse 7, Philippians 2, verse 7, but he made himself of no reputation. and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. That's God Almighty. The likeness of, of men. A servant. Okay, now, so he's showing the people here. And for us, today, doesn't he tell, tell us over, in Peter he talks about um, that the elders of the church, elder, the, the bishop, pastor, the same person, different aspects of that ministry. Not to lord it over God's people. You're not the king. There's only one king. That's Jesus Christ. Because if you want to be a ruler, you want to be a leader, and, it, and it, it's in the church or wherever, be an example. Okay? Be the servant. Neither be ye called masters, for one is your master, even Christ. But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. Don't seek to lord it over others. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. Lift yourself up, you're going to be put down. 
but he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. He's saying to them, don't be like these guys. Okay. And then in verse 13, it all changes. Now he's going to turn back from the multitudes, away from them, and he's going to face the Pharisees and the rest of that crowd of antagonists and those ones that were against him. In verse 13 to the end of the chapter, or the most of the chapter, we have the Lord Jesus talking to them. Our time is getting on, isn't it? Uh, don't bother looking at your watch. Uh, I shouldn't have said that. Um, <laughs> from verse 13 down on, we see that he talks to them in very, very serious and strong language. Like I said, there's 13 condemnations here. He's not, he's, now he's not addressing the people and warning about them. He's turned directly to them. Remember, this is the last thing he's going to say to them. And he's done with them. And he's done with the whole thing. Why? Because he's going to the cross basically a matter of hours. I don't, I really think this was our Thursday, so he's the next day. Just a matter of hours. Thirteen condemnations. We want to just look at, and we'll go down through this another time perhaps next week, but we just want to look at some of the words here. Uh, it's important for us to do word studies. The Spirit of God gave the um, scriptures, uh, the New Testament in basically Greek and Aramaic, but mostly in Greek and a very precise language. You have to look it up. Like if I say to you, come here, that word come is about 50 different words. Well, I think you want to know which one the Spirit of God uh, told them to write down. I want to know, don't you? Mm -hmm. You know, it could be any. In our language, it's different. We've got to get back to that. We have to do that. So it's good for us to do that. So let's just look at a few of these here and we'll finish up. Verse 13, but woe unto you. Oh my. There's the Lord himself pronouncing woe unto these religionists, these legalists, these ones that don't know anything about grace, these ones that are trying to find some other way to heaven, the ones that would not acknowledge Jesus Christ, he says, woe unto you. Now that word woe right there, it has the idea of a miserable or sorrowful state or condition. He says, you're miserable, you're so, it's just a sorrowful state that you're in. And there can be no more sorrowful state than someone who will not acknowledge Christ. Mm -hmm. Someone who will not accept. Someone who wants to hang on to their sin and their, and their sinful lifestyle and their worldliness and will not humble themselves before God. He says to them, woe. And the woe is used here eight different times. And eight times he says to them, you hypocrites. Now we looked at... Um, the definition of hypocrites, I think last, not last week, week before, uh, the idea of hypocrites means was play actors. Now if you go and watch a movie, or go to the show, or whatever you do, or there's a play, or whatever, those people up there, they're actors. That's, did you know that those things aren't real, folks? You knew that, eh? You knew that TV and movies and stuff, that's not real. That they're just acting, okay? Yeah. They're acting. Just like these guys were pretending to be real uh, uh, men of God. But they weren't. He says, you're just acting. But not only that, they're play acting. They uh, oftentimes, uh, back in those times, uh, Greek theater and stuff, they would have masks that would somehow uh, uh, accentuate. <coughs> accentuate? Is that a word? That's a word. Make the voice kind of stronger and louder. So basically, he's calling them... A, a bunch of loud-talking hypocrites, a 
bunch of loud talking play actors. <laughs> okay. And then in verse 17, he says, Ye fools. Now, we're going to talk about that just for a minute. We're going to look at this because um, the, the, uh, the word here is uh, where we get our English word moron. Okay? And you're not supposed to call your brethren a moron. You read about that in Matthew chapter 5, verse 22. Don't do that. But here Jesus calls them. Well, how come he says that way back in Matthew 5? And don't do that. And he does it. you got to read a little further. He says you don't call your brethren moron. <laughs> they weren't his brethren. That was a point being made. You don't have anything to do with God. You are not one of the children of God. You're not of the family of God. You're not my brother, he's saying. So I'm addressing you and showing you the state that you're in. Now that word right there, it means dull, sluggish, stupid, morally worthless, and it scorns the heart and the character. That's what he said to them when he said fools to them, verse 17. Okay. And like I said, in Matthew chapter 5, 22, um, uh, he says, whosoever says thou fool shall be, uh, says to his brother, thou fool, you should be in danger of hellfire. But note, these Pharisees were not the brethren, okay? Get that. Also, you note, somebody say, well, in Galatians chapter 3, verse 1, the Apostle Paul calls the Galatians foolish. Oh, foolish Galatians. You're not supposed to call people fools. They were just saying earlier, you got to find out what the word is that was originally given. Yep. Okay? Because the word the Apostle Paul was using was not the word that we get moron, that moreover, however you say it. It wasn't that word. It's a different word. And I can't pronounce it, so it doesn't matter. Uh, it, just, it means just something different entirely. Um, this one means uh, senseless, not understanding, or one who does not govern their lusts. Okay? So we see word studies are important when you come to the scripture. Very important. And he, so he calls them, uh, he pronounces woes upon them eight times. Eight times he calls them hypocrites. He calls them fools, morally worthless. He calls them blind guides because they were blind. It was the blind leading the blind. That's what they're doing. And in, in verse 28, he says, uh, he says, you're full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Now we have in the Bible sin, transgressions, and iniquities. They're all different, kind of the same but different, but to be more specific, iniquity basically has the idea of wickedness. So he's calling them wicked, okay? Whereas sin, you know what's uh, um, the definition for that or one that's often used is missing the mark. Now, sometimes we uh, do archery and shoot arrows and stuff, and sometimes it's hard to hit the mark, isn't it? Your arrow doesn't hit, so you're aiming right for the center or whatever, right? Eh? And it just goes off a bit. It is. Can't do anything about it. There it is. Missing the mark. What's the mark? God's standards. Where do you find God's standards? In the Bible. God's word. And man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. What do you live by? You'd be better off 
at some times and don't eat anything and go and feed yourself on God's Word. Amen? And that's what he says. And transgressions means overstepping the boundaries. Okay? And then near the end of it all, he calls them serpents. He says, you generation of vipers. Now, I, uh, when I heard of Matt Paris going for a walk there a while ago, was it on vacation? Was it this vacation yet? Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, walk, there was a, you're going on a hike. And lo and behold, in the, on the trail, there's a, a funny little rattling sound. There's a big old Mississauga rattler. <clears throat> well, I know, but I would have run the other way, like screaming like a schoolgirl. <laughs> I'm not going near those things. Why? Because they're nasty. If they bite you, it doesn't go well for you, okay? All right? And I still don't think you should pick it up with a stick and move it off the path. Okay, they're still alive. They're doing fine. They're okay. But if the Lord is calling these guys, calling them, that, calling them out. He calls them a generation of vipers. They're poisonous. They're harmful to people. Their words, what comes out of their mouth, leads to death. Okay? That's what he's telling them. He's showing them. And he's showing the people, and they're seeing that the way of salvation is through Jesus Christ and Him alone. God Almighty took on human form to go to the cross of Calvary to be, to be nailed on a cross and lifted up above the earth, between earth and heaven, as a go-between between man and God and paid for all of your sins on the cross of Calvary. Amen. All of them. Of everybody's. He could do that because he's God. Amen. Died on the cross, shed his blood, and they put him in the, in the tomb, and he rose from the dead on the third day to show everybody that he's, yes indeed, he's God, and that your sins are dealt with, and death is nothing to fear. Amen. He's the Son of God. Amen. And he's telling them off. We better stop. Our time's, uh, our time's gone. We could stay here all day on this one. But anyways, read from verse 13 on down through, right almost to the end, um, right to verse 36. And then he goes into the, at the end of the chapter, the Lord talks about Jerusalem and such. So there's a lot of, when I read this, I'm amazed at how much scripture is here and how many things he told them off about. He just really steamrolls over them. Now, one of the reasons, I believe one of the reasons for this, to stir them up even more. When he's done with them, they would just be absolutely foaming at the mouth with fury. Why is that important? Well, it's an important thing because they're the ones that are going to get him put on the cross. Mm -hmm. That's the plan of God. They were basically useful idiots. I'm sorry. They didn't want to follow him. God says basically, well, I got a job, you know, a nasty job here for somebody. Somebody's got to get him crucified, put the Lord Jesus on the cross. Hey, you guys are going to do that. Isn't that something? Anyway, some things for us to think about. Uh, the importance of God's words. The importance of trusting in Christ. He's the only way to heaven. Amen. That's what the Bible says. That's what God says. Not my words. Just a messenger. You be one too. You be one too. Let's pray. 
Father, we just want to thank you now, Lord. We thank you for this time to look into the Bible, look at the Word of God. We pray it would help some soul somewhere, somebody get saved, and the Christians be strengthened. Lord, we just thank you for the day. Help us, Lord, to stand for you, stand up for you. And we just pray, praise your name and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for looking in and listening, folks. We'll pick this up next week, Lord willing, and have a look through all the 13 con uh, condemnations pronounces upon these ones in error. Keep in mind that he was giving them every chance. Now it's too late. Alright, thanks. Bye now.